Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back, everyone, to another Coastin podcast. We have another uh, another uh, special guest uh, in our uh, tiny podcast studio with us today. And uh, Lindsay and Roger, I'll let you introduce yourselves. Uh, my name's Lindsay Meesh, and I'm the uh, inaugural executive director of DATMA, Massachusetts Design Art Technology Institute. And I'm Roger Mandel. I'm chairman of the board of DATMA, the Massachusetts Design Art and Technology Institute. And you all are one of the newest um, art organizations uh, to, uh, to, to, to spring up in New Bedford. How, uh, how long have we had DATMA? DATMA was officially constituted at uh, the end of 2016 uh, with our 501c3 designation. But in fact, we've been uh, working on this project for mm, probably seven years. Um, as long back as uh, I can remember anyway, um, since I've been very active in the art museum world uh, over my professional career, um, I've been thinking about a project like this. And happily, uh, when we move back to this area, because we live in South Dartmouth from the Middle East, um, where I had been building museums for, in Qatar, th- found a group of people who were as excited about this as I- idea as my wife and I were. So uh, that's how it started. And your wife is your co-founder uh, along yes. with yourself, yeah. Yes, and, Gail. Oh, and Gail. Gail is an artist, uh, has her master's from RISD, uh, is exhibited widely uh, in New York uh, in various museums around the region and so on. Uh, but she's very interested in contemporary art um, of a new sort, w- uh, which I am as well. And so, you know, as I as kind of understand that the background, you were president at RISD for how many years? 15 years. Wow. That's excellent. Um, and then how did you come to, to land in South, South Dartmouth from Providence? Well, we um, arrived in Providence in 1993 when I was appointed president of RISD. I'd been the deputy director at the National Gallery in Washington uh, for a number of years before that, uh, but came to RISD. And um, of course, there's a wonderful museum there, uh, along with an extraordinary academic program in art and design. Um, And we were uh, looking for a weekend house, and we discovered South Dartmouth um, and found an old farmhouse that we fixed up over the years and uh, would go there for weekends. And then when I retired from RISD in 2008, uh, we made that our permanent home. And then why, uh, you know, you had kind of the roots in Providence and a home in South Dartmouth. Why New Bedford for DATMA? What, uh, What led you here? I think New Bedford is an extraordinary community in so many ways, both historically and uh, in terms of its contemporary vitality. Um, it's a, it's a, pr- a community in the process of becoming uh, in a way that uh, I think has extraordinary promise. Uh, it's always been a, a, a community that's been uh, f- uh, international 
international in its scope, its vision, its economy, um, and its culture. And uh, it seemed to me that uh, given the fact that most of the arts institutions in the community uh, at this point were inwardly focused, that is to say they were focused on its his, on New Bedford's history, on the region's um, international um, trade and so on through the Whaling Museum and its regional artists uh, in the New Bedford Art Museum, that a component that was missing was opening those doors and windows to the international world again, but in a very contemporary way. How much did your experience, so, so you're in, in Qatar for how many years? We were in Qatar for four years. When I retired from RISD, in addition to making our South Dartmouth home our permanent home, we also moved to uh, to Qatar, uh, where I became head of the uh, museum's authority. And it was there that I was asked by the royal family to develop as many as 12 museums. Um, it seems extraordinary for that little <laughs> it's, country it's remarkable. Uh, to have an ambition to have 12 museums, but they were really focused on all kinds, all aspects of the Qatar uh, history and, uh, and uh, future. Um, I opened the Museum of Islamic Art when I was there, worked on the National Museum, which will open next March, designed by Jean Nouvel, worked on um, um, an um, Air and Space Museum with Calatrava, worked on the plans for an Orientalist Museum with Herzog and de Meuron, uh, worked uh, on a children's museum, a natural history museum, etc., etc. And I brought staff there, hired directors from all over the world to come and be the programmatic focus of the development of these places. How much did that that experience, I guess, influence your thoughts on kind of the international approach for that? Dramatically, yeah. dramatically. In that, I was trained uh, as an art historian and as a museum person, even back in graduate school, that museums were mainly focused on the inside. They were planned from the inside out. That is, they started with the objects, they assembled these objects in groups that related to each other, they told stories about them, they opened the museum to the public, and they encouraged the public to come in to see what was there. That's a very 18th century concept. <laughs> um, and I now see museums, and what I learned about museums in Qatar particularly, was to reverse that focus, that museums really needed to be planned from the outside in. That is to say, to think of the interests, the needs, uh, the educational uh, direction of, of the community first, and then find out how these artists and these objects uh, in, in formation could relate to them. And so in thinking about what we might develop in New Bedford, I was thinking about those uh, current trends and those current uh, issues uh, of museums um, and artists that related to technology. That was looking forward because technology is constantly changing and developing in the same way that artists' ideas change and develop. The same with designers. Designers are now more and more utilizing various kinds of technology, 3D printing, for example, um, in, the, in the creation of their designs. Computer-generated architecture is um, uh, fundamental now to the way in which cities are planned and buildings are created. Um, engineers work uh, dr dramatically through the new technologies that computers can, can promote. And the internet has connected artists and designers internationally in ways that weren't possible 50 or 100 years ago. 
So our idea about Datma was, let's create a museum that didn't collect, because that was always about focusing on the past, things that had already been made. And let's think about ways we can bring to New Bedford things that are constantly new, a generation of ideas from the future that come from around the globe. Those were, to us, the missing ingredients in the cultural community of this region. It's interesting. Yeah, we uh, had a conversation recently with Ashley Osinko from the from the New Bedford Art Museum, and and we were talking about kind of her her thoughts for the future of the museum, and and uh, and she was actually speaking with an editorial board here after uh, after some round of granting, and uh, we brought up the fact that you know I think for a lot of people's minds you hear museum and you think oh those are things hanging on the wall or things on a little pedestal you know it's things that i go look at yes and she very much wants it to be okay art is something you experience art is something that and i know that you know you can look at something on the wall and you experience something but i think maybe your vision and her vision and maybe a kind of a more modern approach is art affects your life in a much more tangible way and an unavoidable way um Andre Malraux, back in the 1930s and 40s, developed a concept called the Museum Without Walls. And I think that concept is even more relevant today than then, given the fact that technology can bring you works of art and experiences or project them in ways that were impossible then. And uh, exhibitions can happen anywhere. They can happen virtually on your, on your computer. They can happen projected on your walls. They can happen in parks. They can happen in buildings, um, uh, on buildings. They can happen in the sky. Um, and artists have the responsibility, in fact, the right, to use any material available to them, any technology available to them to take us in new places, give us experiences we could never have otherwise. And so that's what I think DATMA is going to be all about. That's excellent. And, and, you know, your first exhibit, obviously, you know, we'll talk about that more maybe maybe at a later date because I think it may be too much to cover, but I think really encapsulates that notion with, you know, what I see as a waterfall out of the sky um, coming to <laughs> Custom House Square. Exactly. You know, I'm, I'm, uh, when I got the press release uh, this uh, earlier this year, I was so excited I could, uh, you know, I went around to the office and showed everybody the video. But the technology component also with with museums without walls, it also makes if you if you have an exhibit, if you have an installation, it can be shared all around the world. Yes. And I know Lindsay and I talked about the idea of kind of opening, um, having exhibits that open up uh, the world to New Bedford in a new way, where yes. people start paying attention to something that's going on in New Bedford that they might otherwise not have noticed. Well, the exchange we want to create is we want to bring the world of art and design and uh, impacting technology to New Bedford. And we also want to take New Bedford to the world because we believe there's so much excitement here, both technologically uh, in the development of the new industries like the wind turbine industry, uh, the new uh, small tech startups that are around our region, Um, and the artists and designers that have uh, found homes here. And we want to take those out to the world. We want to share New Bedford through DATMA with the world. And so not to, and maybe to backtrack for a few minutes, and and this may be a much more mundane um, topic to talk about than kind of the excitement of of, uh, bringing the world to New Bedford. But something that that, uh, interests me is how, so you came back to the U.S., how do you go about building a brand new uh, 
organization like this? I mean, I'm sure you had some great ties from your time at RISD. Did you yes. did you start reaching out to people who you knew had had interest in the in the same very arena? much so. And in the meantime, I've also been teaching at Brown and at RISD about the future of museums and have been sharpening my ideas and doing research and focusing on it. Um, I have a class this afternoon about it. And today I'm talking about museum architecture and how uh, the notion of museum architecture has changed. So we have friends who are architects, we have friends who are artists and designers, some of whom are working in new technologies. We have friends who are uh, collectors of art and um, we have people who are just interested in art and we started talking with them, you know, at dinner parties and, um, you know, just informally. And it turns out there is a kind of small uh, community of people who really want to be helpful to this idea. So out of that, we began to um, get together as groups and start talking. And um, sooner or later, uh, it became possible to think about some of those people becoming part of a board, a group of interested people who are willing to commit to spending time helping to plan and support this effort. And how important is is connections? You know, having, you know, in the art world is, I've learned since moving here in New Bedford, it's a very uh, surprisingly small community. Everyone knows each other. Everyone's worked with each other. Everyone has, you know, one degree of separation from everyone else. <laughs> yes. And so, you know, if you, if you kind of get the right board, is that... Uh, I guess, does that make more things possible because they all have connections and, yes. and knowledge? One special quality, of, I think, that runs through the, the uh, background and um, experience of all of our board members is that they not only have strong interests and contacts in this area, but they also have very strong connections in other parts of the country or the world. And so they can bring those resources, those uh, ideas, those people, into uh, the, the play of, of, uh, of DATMA. And so now, Lindsay, I'm going to kind of rope you in as, as we've, we've established that in my little bit now. And then when I when I called you, uh, when I when I first got that press release, you kind of told me your you, how you got uh, um, kind of a, a, a chance uh, lightning strike and got involved. And uh, I just love that story. So can you tell it again? Your uh, your train oh, sure, ride. <laughs> sure. Um, well, it was quite serendipitous. I, I had formerly worked in New Bedford at uh, New Bedford Art Museum, and then it merged to New Bedford Art Museum. Art, uh, slash artworks and uh, you know my time had just come to an end there and began working in Boston for three years at Society of Arts and Crafts and I, I really loved it. My personal background is craft. Uh, I have uh, two degrees in it in particular metalsmithing so uh, I was really in my element um, but I had never been able to leave the New Bedford area after coming here from graduate for graduate school and then staying for the job at the museum um, because the community here as you mentioned is so tight-knit and uh, we became part of it in one way or another um, you know where my my husband is from the area we're friends with all the business owners and I have a studio at Hatch Street and the longer we stay there's some you know the, we just keep on uh, you know our, our roots grow deeper and uh, so every day took the train from Middleborough Lakeville up to Boston and sure enough every day I was looking for houses uh, between you know here and there and I could just never find a place that to me had that um, the creative energy, the optimism and growth that I was seeing in my hometown of New Bedford, and now I actually call it my hometown, which is weird. Um, <laughs> but uh, I one day sat on the second level of one of the trains that I always sat on, and there was Jonathan Howland, who was um, 
on the board and still is of New Bedford Art Museum artworks. And uh, he was saying, oh yeah, uh, I've got this really fun idea with some friends and we're thinking about you know, creating a museum. And I said, hmm, oh, okay, Jonathan, you know, that sounds fun. And, um, oh, we're at South Station now, uh, so got to go. And then I, I thought, oh, wow, I mean, I, I wish him the best, and that sounds crazy. And, uh, but it sounds like something that New Bedford actually does need, um, you know, someone who is a contributor to contemporary art. I, I, I felt like, um, and something that I remember we striving for at the Art Museum was to consistently show uh, contemporary art, uh, but I wanted, I personally wanted to see something on a broader, a broader scale than the region. Um, and not just what America was doing. And I wanted to see, because it, at Society of Arts and Crafts, I could only focus on, on North America in particular. And uh, with another organization I'm involved with, Society of North American Goldsmiths. So I'm constantly with all these organizations that I'm working with, like trapped in the North America <laughs> region. And I'm so interested in what's going on in Australia, New Zealand in particular, um, or in Eastern Europe. You know, where is the heart of, the heart of uh, sculpture? And, and I, I just want to be able to have those things as part of my everyday. Uh, and uh, so selfishly, when I accidentally sat with Jonathan again, uh, <laughs> and he was telling me, well, we're thinking about looking for an executive director in a few months. And I said, wow, they're really moving. And uh, then, it's funny enough, I, I, was, I, I had a baby, and while I was on leave, I remember seeing an email from Jonathan saying, oh, hey, we're looking, and I thought, I'll answer this email in eight weeks. <laughs> and, and I did, thankfully, in time to catch the um, end of the application cycle. And uh, then I sat, and I had, was asked for an interview, and I met all of these people who you know, had this energy that I hadn't seen in a nonprofit before, and I think that's the cause of um, you know, being part of something that you yourself create and uh, it's a freshness and excitement that I, I hadn't seen especially working at an organization that was 125 years old you know people knew the mission and they knew the vision because that's who they were it was coming from them and uh, you know I certainly I thought well somebody is going to get this job and if you know I wanted to be able to um, have the reins and I felt like I could I could handle the responsibility of um, bringing this really big project to New Bedford because I personally, I didn't think anybody could care about it as deeply as I could. Mm. And uh, so being the uh, you know, admin-focused and control freak that I am, I thought, well, people better get out of my way because I'm about <laughs> to make this happen. And Roger, how, uh, you know, how valuable is it having someone with kind of the uh, institutional New Bedford knowledge, because it is such a close-knit community, uh, of, of having Lindsay in there, kind of knowing the, uh, kind of the, the works as, as it is? Well, we had over 40 candidates for the position from around the country. And Lindsay's uh, background, uh, her artistic uh, training, her uh, administrative experience, uh, both here and elsewhere, her knowledge of New Bedford, all of those fit the profile we we're looking for in the most extraordinary way. But the other thing is that all of us are running very fast to try to keep <laughs> up with her, and uh, she's an extraordinarily talented person. We couldn't have a better founding director. Thank you, Roger. It's nice to hear. Yeah. Um, and so one thing I want to kind of uh, occurred to me while you were talking kind of about the, uh, you know, kind of metal smithing and, and the craft um, approach to art creation kind of, I think, dovetails nicely with the idea of the museum without walls. You know, I think as a, as a, as a you know, art maker, 
that isn't things that hang on the wall that are things that someone puts around their neck or, or, or in their ear. Do you think that gives you a greater appreciation for the kind of the installation approach of art to experience art to live with as I'm, opposed to art to look at? I'm really at? glad that you bring that up. Actually, you know, the, the hard part about working with craft in and having craft sit in a museum or gallery setting is you can never get anyone to engage with it because of the uh, formal environment. And uh, with, uh, you know, the the root of DATMA, design, art, and technology, and craft is very design-oriented, I should say. And now with, uh, you know, moving forward with, as Roger mentioned, 3D printing, uh, even more so, these objects are, you know, more, they should be and they are more accessible, more uh, cutting edge with materials and uh, so being practiced in trying to force people to engage with art by wearing it or by picking up the, the cup and holding it in their hand and seeing how they experience it themselves. You know, we're just asking people to do the same thing, you know, go and you know, walk down the block and experience the art and, and see what it's like to have a picnic underneath this amazing sculpture or um, in the palm of your hand, uh, you know, look at these you know, videos or these, um, you know, I don't know, we're, how simulated uh, apps that we're going to try to create for um, engaging people on an international level. So you know, there's different ways that we can uh, utilize technology or, um, or p- wherever people are standing and try to reintroduce the environment around them and uh, have them see it in a new way. There's another element to our aspirations at DATMA that I think is very important to this community particularly, uh, as a, even as opposed to the kind of attraction we hope to develop for tourism, we're really committed to the idea of education about these new ideas uh, in art and design to stimulate uh, children to think about uh, their environment in new ways, to think about how they can make things with um, the materials and the technologies they have around them. Um, and to work with uh, places like Votech High School or uh, the University of Massachusetts Dartmouth uh, departments of, of not only of the uh, performing and visual arts, but also the scientific departments. In fact, we've had conversations with people at SMAST about how we can tie in to uh, the, the education about the sea and how artists can use the technologies they're utilizing to create experiences um, I love could the, be significant. I love the idea. Yeah, creating experiences is is uh, I don't know. It feels like there's a, a a real value in in experience that it that it has such an impact yes. and, and uh, can be transformational. You know, I, I always uh, you know the the when the community foundation announced the Creative Commonwealth grants, you know, everyone saw the creative courts that uh, the art museum is doing, and I know you all were a were a recipient of a grant for that for your upcoming. Uh, uh, installation in July. Yes, but anything like that that you know, I think about. You know, I was, I'm from Eastern Kentucky and, and deep in the Appalachian Mountains, and I met a professional photographer when I was in college, and I was like, "Oh wow, people do this yes. professionally. People don't, you know, this is." I had never considered that before because I'd never known anyone who was a professional artist. That just wasn't really a thing where I was from. So I think you know, there's such a value in introducing kids to the idea of a creating something because it feels good and because you enjoy it and b considering okay maybe you can pursue this maybe you can make a life of this maybe you can add something to the world so i think it's i think that's tremendous and that also has strong economic development 
um, aspects as well, not only attracting artists and designers uh, who are using new technologies to our area to set up their businesses and to collaborate, but also to create a field of people uh, out of these education programs that can join those firms and can add the dimension of their talent and interest. One of the programs that we're looking forward to launching is with a few of the different education groups that we're working with. The uh, point of it is to introduce youth to uh, you know, design our technology as, as our main mission, but uh, present jobs that already exist and prove to them that those jobs are doing it. For instance, an urban developer um, you know, working with engineers and how each day they work with these areas in the arts, but maybe they don't even realize it, and how you can use these tools to uh, contribute to your community in a creative way. Excellent. And so it's kind of, you know, from the education aspect, the first theme of, uh, of next summer's uh, kind of inaugural installation is, is the wind. What, uh, I guess, what, what blew that into your mind? Several aspects of uh, our coming out party, for example, um, are uh, involved with the decision we made to create a, a summer-long festival called Summer Winds. First of all, uh, in announcing ourselves and uh, becoming a real, um, having some real impact on our region, we wanted to avoid uh, the appearance of uh, kind of stomping in with big feet and just saying, okay, we're here, you know, and push aside other organizations or try to create a competitive climate. Far from that, we wanted to be um, a, a collaborative force and work with other groups. And so we decided that it might be a good idea if in addition to our own exhibition, whatever it might turn out to be, we could inspire other arts organizations to come together around a common theme for that summer, which happens to be so naturally the arrival of the wind turbine industry and the real appearance of it by 2019, 2020. And so uh, we uh, created this umbrella theme called Summer Winds. And it's been remarkable how uh, we have been able to attract other organizations to join with us in this summer-long group of activities. We have our own exhibition, which will be in Customs House Square Park, uh, which is this giant mylar cloud that will be floating and blowing over that park, underneath which other activities will occur by other arts organizations. But... Uh, Lindsay could tell you because she's been out working with all of these other groups uh, to uh, find ways in which they could participate, and it's been a remarkable response. I thought, you know, in the, and I'm sure there's been more since, but in the original press release, you talked about even the Community Boating Center, you know, working on just sailing and the wind and the, you know, all of these things and how it ties together. Yes. And it also fits well with the, A, the technology uh, focus. And B, also that, that economic development yes. of how all these things merge, how art is not its own thing over here somewhere else, but it's part of everything that we do. Exactly. So it, it seems, uh, yeah, it's nice, nice choice on the wind. It's <laughs> very, uh, very uh, fortuitous there. Well, and we've tried to tie in scientific uh, uh, elements uh, of the summer program as well. Sorry, I, I 
I guess I thought we were going to talk about programming <laughs> another day, so I'm trying to hold back because it's, oh, it's well, hard and, to uh, and I think you know bite and my I, tongue about well, maybe all just the exciting. <laughs> yeah, and, and I do want to you know once the you know we talked about this before as as I do want to have you all back when you know when the plans are more firm when we can talk about kind of dates and, and things like that. But conceptually speaking, I know that. Uh, well, you're still the, you're you're you know you're in the you're really in the weeds right now planning for you know I, I, I told you when we had coffee I think July is forever from now for me and you're like okay this is tomorrow <laughs> yes, I feel like really it was yesterday actually but uh, you know the having a broad theme really helps us connect with a variety of different uh, education sectors and organizations and uh, as you mentioned community boating uh, center um, which was uh, another contact from New Bedford Art Museum and uh, their president Caroline Kanzati is there is the assistant director at CBC and uh, you know one of the programs we're working on with them is presenting how the uh, sailing coaches for the Olympics or people who do competitive sailing use technology and design to improve their performance or uh, have their uh, sport be more sustainable and so that's one way that we're touching on uh, you know integrating the science and the technology and the design aspect into it so whatever programming we're trying to come up with and develop we're really making sure you know where does this fall and you know we each each program we, we try to have it fall under each of the um, you know subjects you know design our technology some of them certainly favor one uh, one area than another, uh, but it's really important for us for all of our decision making to have have it be you know all inclusive with our uh, mission. So then um, you know we can at all times have it be a, a, a you know either an art experience, a learning experience, um, something that might you know give somebody a spark of, of inspiration that they can walk home with or realize that uh, something that exciting has been around them this whole time and they just didn't see it that way. And Roger, all your experience kind of in the museum uh, arena um, and exhibit planning and all these things, are you already thinking two years down the road? Are you thinking what's going what's gonna to follow the wind? We definitely are thinking uh, about programs in the future. In fact, I recall that at the museums at which I worked, we were often thinking five years down the road in planning our schedules, particularly in <clears throat> that we would uh, work together with other uh, museums to plan these programs, to share expenses, to be able to leverage the loans that we would be um, getting from other museums. And um, it was uh, that, that same framework that uh, causes us to think ahead in, at DATMA. For, after doing this abroad and, you know, the, the National uh, Council for the Arts and, and, and the, uh, the National Gallery how much fun is it to do it in your backyard? Um, and it's I'm sure you, you know you're fun. Oh, it's 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 marvelous because I think you can see the immediate effect, and you can also work with your friends and neighbors to to bring something together, uh, and then connect them um, in, internationally as well. And uh, everybody wins. And how's the response been? How, how's your uh, um, you know kind of since you're. Your, your coming out party and, uh, and, and announcing yourself. Um, and, I, you know, I know you've been, been working at this for the past seven years. And so, you know, you're not, you're not kind of a surprise to people. But after announcing, you know, kind of the wind um, yes. concept in the, in the uh, next summer's installation, what's the reaction been from the community? Well, so far, uh, and we haven't really pushed very hard on the um, outward promotion, mainly working within the arts community and uh, going out to scientific groups or the sailing uh, world and so on, the 
the response has been immediate and positive. So I think the long term uh, looks very bright. I think Excellent. that's something that's really special about the South Coast. Uh, you know, DATMA is trying to have an international reach, but we're able to uh, have this uh, immediate project happen because of the connections that exist in this community already. Uh, you know, you've you've spoken with Lee Heald in a previous episode, I believe, and uh, you know she's been practicing that act of collaboration uh, once a month, every uh, second <laughs> Thursday for our AHA nights, and uh, has even been so welcoming as to uh, state that August 2019 is the theme of wind and water in celebration of uh, DATMA's uh, uh, arrival and, and celebration of wind that's, that summer. So, uh, you know, every, everyone in their own way has been, uh, you know, putting out their hand and offering something uh, unique to them, and it's only been adding to the you know, excitement to Summer Winds 2019. And I know we talked about in Boston, you know, you were always working months and months and months ahead. Does... Is it kind of, you know, and I'm not saying this, the, the South Coast is really that much of a smaller scale, but it's somewhat of a smaller scale. Do you find that people are more nimble, more uh, accommodating and willing to uh, to kind of jump aboard and say, yeah, we'll figure it out? Because it's, you know, in, in my time being here, um, you know, you talk about Lee, you know, she'll reach out and say, hey, can you do this for us? And it seems like everybody says yes, you know, and, and the same thing with me if I'm calling somebody and saying hey you know we want to do a, a themed edition or coast in or, or something of the sort like people just jump on board so so without hesitation it's amazing they do and they don't you know <laughs> i think that i have some friends here and a track record that uh you know we we do what we say we're going to do and uh, we're a good team to work with uh, you have to certainly be committed to the south coast mm. i i wouldn't say that uh, the the arts and culture or, or um, science or education, no, no matter what sector you're looking at, uh, I don't think anybody is just willing to open their door just to anybody. Mm. Uh, in fact, sometimes when you when I first moved here, I thought, oh my gosh, you know, New Englanders or these New Bedford people, <laughs> and now now I am one of them. But I realize that once you get past that thick skin, um, there's just like this warm, welcoming, and uh, willingness to just try to help make this community grow. And and I've um, you know fallen for that optimism and just want to contribute to it. And I think Datma is the way that we can do that. And we've talked a lot this summer about momentum, and uh, you know, a lot of it uh, has stemmed from the announcement of the the Bar Foundation grants that are coming in through the Community Foundation. You all received one for the for the Summer Winds uh, exhibit, um, and then you know, Bar Clarman came in and and uh, and uh, put some money into the community uh, with the Art Museum, the Symphony Orchestra, and the Zaterian, and then the city's doing their placemaking grants and. I feel like, and maybe again, I'm new to the area, so maybe I'm getting here at, at the perfect time to, to, to kind of see this, or maybe it's always been going on, but it feels like there's tremendous momentum and the sense of collaboration is really high. People are really willing to uh, to dig in and say, you know what, this is this is the time to strike while the iron's hot. And John Vasconcello said something interesting. We were talking about, you know, kind of a, a transformative time, and he said... He tells everyone New Bedford is not a city in transformation. It's a city that has arrived. We are an art city. It's not becoming an art city. People are just realizing we're an art city, that it's always been that way. So I think it's really interesting kind of, uh, you know, people are standing up and, and, uh, and waving the flag a little bit, and I'm glad you all are part of that. Now, I like to think of the economy here as... <clears throat> um, 
creating a new industrial revolution. I mean, I think there's a new sense of optimism about the economy here. We've certainly captured uh, the state's interest in this region in many respects, not just through the wind turbine industry. Um, and I think that's going to realize itself in a very substantial change in the economic climate here. It's already evident. Well, thank you guys so much for coming in. Roger, I'll let you go so you're not late for class. I don't want you to get, to, <laughs> get detention. So, uh, Roger and Lindsay, thank you so much for coming in, and I look forward to having you back uh, so we can talk more about the, uh, the summer winds for 2019. Thank well, you. Well, thank you very much. Thanks, Jerry. Just going to run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts.